Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? I'm feeling a little deep statey, Amy. Oh nice, you went there right, right out away. The right out the gate. Yeah, that's been an interesting conversation. Yes. I've just watched it. I've yeah. just watched it. And and honestly, I really think it's just much ado about nothing. Um we we do have a story about it. We'll get to that in just a minute. But honestly, it 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 feels just like everybody got in a huff about something that really wasn't that big of a deal. Is it, I, I don't want to diminish it, but at the same time, like, hey, come on, you know. Well, I I can see what you're saying there. I do have some information. Oh, about oh. the deep state. Oh, you do. Oh, inside yeah. information from the SBC deep state. And, and by the way. Since we're an award-winning podcast, can we also be the official podcast of the SBC Deep State? I'm I'm not going to go there. Well, no. I'll explain what I'm. I'll explain okay. uh, what I just kind of threw out there in a second. Okay. Why don't All Why right. don't you hit our sponsor first? Oh, okay. Well, hey, you know what today is? We're recording this. Today's graduation day at the Southern Baptist yes. Theological Seminary. Probably one of their largest graduations ever, as well. It. I saw the pictures on the lawn. They got the outside and you know, all the white chairs. Oh, it's so gorgeous. Um, but located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Uh, Amy, you know why you can't have uh, outdoor graduations at Southeastern? Why? Because all the black robes would be yellow by the end of the ceremony. Oh, that's that's reality. This is truth. Yeah, nobody pollen. wants to sit in nobody wants to sit in that pollen for no. uh 2 hours definitely. No. I also think we our uh, our our trees at yeah, southeast would would make it tough. We have a lawn in another area that doesn't have as many trees, but that's not the quad where it's really, you know, yeah. beautiful. We have a lot of magnolias so. and the pollen. Right. Yes, the pollen. Yeah, yes. yellow robes. My, oh wow. Right, right. My porch and car are not yellow anymore, though, so it's at least better than it was. Okay, well, that's good. All right, so let's jump into this Deep State Nine, or wait, no, that's Star Trek. Anyway, but you were saying... Well, why don't you explain the story, and then I'll tell you the information I have. Okay, all right. Well, so last Friday night, baccalaureate uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., president of Liberty University, made a comment about the Deep State in the Southern Baptist Convention, tweeted it later. I wasn't really tracking with him on that, but... It got picked up. It became a thing. And here we are. There are T-shirts available at all over the Internet. I've seen some on Amazon, sbcdeepstate.com as well. Honestly, I, I mean, I'm just like, come on, really, guys? This No. Well, and uh, I do actually have some information. Dates of when the deep state is going to meet and where. Okay. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I have it on pretty good authority that the deep state is meeting June 11th and 12th, and they will be in Birmingham, Alabama, in the arena that is part of the Birmingham Convention Center. I see what you did there. Ah, there you go. No, really, um, and I've said that for the last couple of days, um, I actually, so I've heard the reference deep state, and you hear conversations about it in relation to um, foreign governments. There's obviously been references to it here in the last few years, but I wanted to look up what it exactly is. And I, I realize Wikipedia is not 
Um, that is not an academic source, Amy. It's not an academic source, but yet sometimes for conversations, it's helpful to give uh, to give definitions. So I looked it up, and it is uh, it's also known as a state within a state. It's a form of clandestine government made up of hidden or covert networks of power operating independently of a nation, or in this case, a convention's political leadership in pursuit of their own agenda and goals. So the reason that I say the deep state is meeting June 11th and 12th is because in reality, if you're talking about a covert government that operates under the surface, we do have a system that when people are engaged in it, a, a network under the surface could not even accomplish anything if such a thing existed. Yeah. Because everything always comes back to the people. We elect our officers. We approve our committee. Uh, our, uh, we approve the report of the committee on committees and the committee on nominations. So we approve all of our board members. We make motions. We get to ask questions of our leaders. We have a, a system that repeatedly reintroduces the messengers into the process. So when we engage in the process, um, there is no opportunity for a covert network to actually uh, be able to do anything. So when I heard deep state, the nerd in me actually goes and says, huh, let's dig in on what a deep state really is because I like to figure out what can work within our system. And so then I said, well, I know the the network that governs and I know when they're meeting and where. Yes. I'm not saying the SPC is deep state proof, but like you right. said, it it's the people and people right. showing up in Birmingham. It, it's not, it, we conduct our business in front of everybody online right. and everything. I mean, like you can watch what happens. Right. And you can, and you, and you can come and participate and vote and learn the system and be a part of it. And uh, the, the story that Relevant Magazine did sort of defined it of uh, an inner cabal of cronyism who attempt to rule the the country in American politics via undemocratic means. And um, so if you applied it to us, it would be a, a group that attempts to rule through undemocratic means. But the reality is we have a very democratic system that has... Um, a lot of checks and balances, and it reintroduces the messengers at, at uh, all these different points. So I am actually not concerned about a deep state. But if someone is, the best thing to do would be step up, engage in the process. Um, because the more we do that and the more we educate ourselves, the more uh, the more open and, and transparent we get to be. Yeah. Exactly. And, and honestly, Amy, it seems like everything has kind of died down. I mean, there were two or three days where there were things were at a fever pitch, but now end of the week, eh, we're moving on. So we, I, I do think that we should include a deep state t-shirt since they're available online and people have been buying them or whatever. We do need to include the deep state t-shirts in our SBC annual meeting bingo. Oh, yeah. Okay. We, I, I can see putting that on the bingo card. Yes. I don't have a deep state shirt. I'm, I'm probably not going to get one of those, but... Someone might. So yes. if uh, we can add it to our bingo card, that would be funny. Yeah, that would be funny. So, Because it would be fascinating to see how many different ones there are. I've seen a couple. So one with the SBC logo. That's a no-no, people. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, the, you cannot, you know, cannot yeah. use logos yeah, don't of do anyone, that. of any no. organization. So, yeah, so it's it's been kind of a strange week with that this week. So, But we do have some news that is going, not some deep state elections, Amy, but some open in the public elections. 
nominations. We have some new nominations, and we have a second nominee in the recording secretary election, and that's going to be Eddie Eaton, from what I understand. Uh, Eddie Eaton announced this week he's a pastor in Fuquay, Verena. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. In North Carolina, apparently somewhere out there near you. Uh, other, other side of Raleigh. Okay, south side of Raleigh. All right, so, but he's uh, been in Florida for a while. Going to be nominated by Mike Orr, the president of the Florida Baptist Convention, for recording secretary. Okay, well, it's interesting because, now, we haven't heard nominations for, are we still waiting on, is it second vice president? Have and we first, had a- yeah, this is the first one uh, of a nominee who's not already currently holding an office, so... We are, we're still okay, waiting on in terms the vice of a presidents. new introduction yeah. because first vice president and second vice president would be likely. Right. What's interesting is I actually wondered if we would go into this year with no contested elections. Hmm. So where, you know, would just be one person and, and, uh, it looks like we're not. So the messengers will get an opportunity to use their ballots. Yes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that because, you know, it's, it's great to use our ballots and we, are there to elect people and to raise our ballots right. and to use our ballots. So the ballots will get used. This they will year. get, they will get used. The so teller's is committee just, is on the hook now. They, they had, they will have things to count. So this is just a reminder to everyone to make sure you listen when it's time to use your ballots, because I always like to remind of the lesson I learned in the yep. first election I ever voted in, in the Southern Baptist convention, I made a mistake Invalid because I ballot. wasn't listening and my ballot uh, was invalid. So, yes. um, don't be like Amy. Right. Be like Jonathan. Vote correctly. So at this stage, we we now will have um, an opportunity to use those ballots. But uh, that just that'll make this year it, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So a little bit more about Eddie Eaton. We mentioned he's from Fuquay Verena's at Fuquay Verena Baptist Church. Been in Florida for quite a while. Uh, Twenty three years he served down there. Just moved to Fuquay Verena last August. Uh, in 2018. So new to that area, uh, but no residency requirements for this position. So uh, that's not an issue. So down in Florida, like we said, 23 years. And in 14 of those years, he was bivocational, Amy. He was a sergeant in the Holmes County Sheriff's Office. So got oh, a law enforcement cool. background. So a law enforcement background, a bivocational pastor, and also his pastor did some small churches. So that's highlighted in the article here. And a member of the Faith Riders, a Southern Baptist motorcycle ministry. All right. Well, very, very interesting. Now we have another nomination that yes. has been announced. Don Currents. Yes. He will be renominated as SBC Registration Secretary. Um, his pastor, Philip Burden, from First Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri, announced that he plans to nominate Don Currents in Birmingham, Alabama. Don Currents assisted Jim Wells with the registration process for 12 years and then uh, was the registration secretary last year. And then the year before, uh, when Jim Wells had been elected but was not able to serve, that was right uh, at, at the end of his life, and, and he was yeah. not well enough to come. Don Currents sort of stepped in his place to work as the registration secretary there and to handle those things. So uh, he knows that job really well and is really just has an incredible servant's heart. I, I enjoy working with him, and he will be nominated for registration secretary. Yeah, Don, one of the nicest guys if you ever have a chance to to meet him at the convention uh and and is serious about his task so i I appreciate his attention 
uh, as the registration so. secretary, handling the tellers and the credentials committee and all that. Yes, and he serves as an administrative pastor. Yes, uh, there at First Baptist Church in Ozark. All right. Well, that that's it for the nominations. So probably get some more next week. Uh, we're still waiting on those VP spots. So we'll so we wait and see. We're waiting on uh, first and second vice president and pastors conference. Oh yeah, president. that's right. Yeah, there's that too. So we'll we we still got some. Yeah, still some openings out there that we're waiting on to fill. So we're we're less than a month away, Amy. Too, by the way. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that. We're only about. I have. I I have. This is my. Sc- this is my scurry time at Southeastern to make sure we get all of our print deadlines for materials that need to go. So I have sort of this big rush right around the beginning of May. So I I know those deadlines are coming up. We had our meeting this week at Lifeway of everybody who's going to the convention. Right. To talk about that. So I know whenever that meeting hits, we're getting close and we are getting yes, close. Yes, we are. All right. Final thing, the church ordination study, Above Reproach, a study on the ordination and practices of SBC churches was released recently by Jason Lowe. He's an associational mission strategist up in Kentucky. He had, he had sent this to us a while back and we even tweeted it out. And so he released the report of this uh, about ordination. So Amy, talk to us about the report. We had put this out for people to participate in. And what he wrote was that our ordination practices have significant room for improvement. He got 555 survey responses, and that was from primarily pastors, but also associational and denominational leaders, deacons, retired or former pastors, and others from 34 different states. So a 42-page report, and he noticed five points of interest. One, that SBC ordination practices have significant room for improvement. Um, that an example was only 30, around 30% of ordained ministers were required to have a background check. And only 29.4% were asked about their sexual purity. In roughly 60% of cases, the ordination service was publicized before screening took place. Uh, so they were uh, essentially amazing. announcing you have an ordination council that meets. And so the service was actually publicized before the council m- met and the screening council happened on the same day as the service. I've actually seen that a lot. Yeah. It'd be kind of awkward to say, Hey, we're having an ordination service and then you meet the day of things fall through. And then you're like, well, whoops, we didn't. Right. So, so, so in a sense, I think what that's communicating is the pressure is really on the council to deliver because yeah. people are coming in for this service. And uh, so it almost becomes a formality. Now, most of the time you, you're going to assume that when you get to that stage, people have been through a lot of hoops, but this is showing that background checks and things like that are not a part of it. So that, I think that was the point that there were some weaknesses in the process. Uh, second, discussions regarding a candidate's sexual purity are sparse, but on the rise. That even though it's not discussed most of the time, there has been a significant uptick since 2010. Third, SBC ordination practices are changing in both positive and negative ways. So positive is that more churches were, um, are requiring theological training, more are conducting background checks and asking about purity. But on the other hand, the role of the council seems to be decreasing in importance. So screening periods have gotten shorter and councils are involving fewer ordained pastors. Fourth, ordaining churches in more populated areas set higher standards for their ordination candidates. So urban and suburban churches are handling the process differently 
with higher standards, checking in more often before and after ordination, requiring training more often. But the less populated areas are the ones that are more likely to publicize before a candidate is approved, conduct the screening on the same day, things like that. So just not as attentive to the process. And finally, larger churches are more thorough in their examination of ordination candidates. So churches with a larger membership are more likely to cover more topics, require a background check, and require training. Um, he did not make, J- Lo- Jason Lowe did not make any specific recommendations for improvements, but he wanted to share the findings with the hope of generating productive conversations um, as we start improving. So this is one of those moments where, you know, facts are our friends. He is giving us data that we can use to start a conversation. Um, and uh, we'll put the link to the Baptist Press story as well as the link to the report itself. It's 42 pages, uh, so it gives a lot of information. This is really helpful because we have started talking about this, but we didn't have statistics to go with it. And so just having this sort of first round, a, a good survey to help us frame the conversation is really, really good. And I like the fact that Things that seem to be getting better in in many cases, and for those who who may not have a lot of these policies in place for their ordination councils, it, while he didn't make recommendations, you can kind of see where some areas that can you know there's some low hanging fruit for improvement on certain areas like having background checks, like doing the council beforehand, like actually having a council for ordination. So a few little things like that. So if you're a pastor out there and you're doing ordination services, be a little bit more thorough. Uh, I think that's that's what we're getting at. And I, at the stories that we've been reading in the news about ministers and, and the ordination practices or lack thereof also point to that. So thoroughness is better. Yes. And I think the other thing I, I would just notice is it's really good. This came from an associational mission strategist. And if you are also looking at the the differences between large and small churches, between particular areas, a lot of times the smaller churches in less populated areas, those are the churches that really often need assist, more assistance from an association. Yeah, they lean on them more. Right. And so this is a great conversation to be had at the local association level as well, because this is information that they can use in helping churches. So uh, hats off to Jason Lowe for doing that study. I think it's a real service to Southern Baptists. All right. Well, a light news week this week. So we've got a special treat, Amy. We've got a discussion about food, fun, and fuel for the SBC annual meeting. And fuel would be coffee, because unlike Griffin Gulledge, who's our, our guest for this, you and I both like coffee. Yes, we, we do. We both need coffee throughout the week. A lot of it. A lot of it. So we've got a great interview now with Griffin Gulledge talking about food, fun, and fuel for Birmingham. Here's our discussion with Griffin uh, that I had earlier this week. Joining us today on SBC This Week is Griffin Gulledge. Griffin serves as a development officer and church relations specialist for the Alabama Baptist Children's Homes and Family Ministries. Your business card must be about eight feet long with that title. Yeah, it's pretty long. Normally, I just say, my name's Griffin. I, I don't typically give the whole title because by the time you say the whole thing, people have forgotten what your first name is. Oh, that's a good point. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But Griffin, you're joining us today. You're an Alabama guy, Alabama native. Uh, you and I actually lived near one another for a time while I was in Birmingham. And 
So your dad and your stepmom actually went to the church that Beth was on staff at. So that's right. Kind of knew of each other that way, and and uh, we we met later on. Didn't even know it at the time, but met later on, and, and we were able to put two and two together. So uh, very very that's cool right. connection there. But we're going to talk all things Birmingham. We're headed to Birmingham next month, along with a few thousand of our closest friends, and descending on Birmingham for the SBC annual meeting. And we always like to talk about what to eat where to go, what to do while we're in town for the SBC annual meeting. So we're having you on to talk to us about that. So uh, tell us just kind of maybe your, your history with Birmingham and how you got to know the city. I know you're a Beeson grad, so you spent some considerable amount of time in the city. So uh, just tell us about your history there and just what makes Birmingham such a great town. That's right. Well, my dad pastored just outside of Birmingham in a, uh, a little suburb called Roebuck. Um, and from there, we moved to Trustville, and I've been there most of my life in Trustville. Um, and after leaving Auburn University, I ended up at Beeson Divinity School, like you said, at, at Samford University, um, and was on staff at Valleydale Church, which is kind of in the, the Hoover, Pelham area, so about 15, 20 minutes outside of town for people who are going to be in hotels there. And so I was there for a number of years until starting with the children's home and moving to South Alabama. But every time we go home, we're back in Birmingham. Uh, most of my family, most of my wife, Rachel's family is in Birmingham. And so it's still very much home for us. It's where we go for anniversary dinners and uh, weekend trips and to see old friends. Birmingham is a, is a great city. So we're coming next month for the annual meeting. We're going to talk about three different areas. We're going to talk about food, fun, and fuel. Uh, that would be coffee. So the, the three F's of the annual meeting that we need every year, the food, fun, and fuel. Let's start with food, Griffin. I know barbecue, a big Alabama thing. I don't know where you're planning on starting, but we're going to start at Saw's Barbecue. That's right. That's exactly where you should start. I think traditionally, if you come to Birmingham, people will say, oh man, you've got to go to Dreamland. No. But that is the wrong advice. That is, that is what people thought 30, 40 years ago. The barbecue scene is so much better than Dreamland now. And so- some people will say Full Moon Barbecue, which has great barbecue. Actually, a little pro tip here, they also have great catfish. Um, some people will say that you need to go to Costa's Barbecue. That's not ever going to get my vote. Oh, the no. The best barbecue in Birmingham is Saw's Barbecue. If you've never had Saw's Barbecue before, you can go and you can get ribs. You can go and you can get pulled pork. But let me give you two recommendations. The first is a smoked chicken sandwich where they take big hunks of smoked chicken and cover it in the famous white sauce from Saul's Barbecue. White barbecue sauce, actually, uh, to interject myself into the Baptist barbecue debates, Alabama white sauce is the best barbecue sauce that there is. Well, you will not be on the Potluck podcast anytime soon with that opinion. That's okay. That's okay. I don't recognize any of the names on the Potluck podcast. Uh, but so I would say go to Saul's, get the smoked chicken sandwich, get the white barbecue sauce, and you will not regret it. But if you're willing to get something very Southern and very unhealthy, get the pork and greens or the chicken and greens. So what they do is they lay down an entire plate of cheese grits. And on top of that, they have stewed greens that are just absolutely rich. And then on top of that, they're going to have fried uh, onions. And then on top of that, they've got that incredible barbecue sauce and just the best cooked meat in the whole city. And you really can't go wrong with anything on the menu. 
but I highly, highly recommend those two things at Saul's Barbecue. But if one of the many Saul's Barbecue locations is too busy, and it's going to be with 10,000 Baptists coming to town and the reputation at Saul's Barbecue, then you need to sneak on over to Rodney Scott's. Rodney Scott is a newcomer in Birmingham on the barbecue scene, and it is as good as anything in town. So if the line's along at Saul's and you hear this podcast and you know about Rodney Scott's, don't hesitate for a second to head that way for some of the best barbecue that you can have. All right. So another thing that I love about the barbecue places in Alabama, we have a little bit of that here in, in Tennessee, but what I loved about the barbecue places in Birmingham specifically was the pie. I, I know Amy is a big fan of pie here on the podcast. We've talked about pie quite a bit, maybe too much, in fact, here on the podcast. I, one episode, we had a lot of pie talk, but... <laughs> what would what would you say is the best pie in Birmingham as far as if you want a good pie? Is it is it going to be Johnny Ray's? Oh, that's tough to say. It might be. It might be Johnny Ray's. But honestly, I would think the best pie, at like a barbecue joint, would be at Full Moon. When you walk into Full Moon, right there, you've got two dessert options. They'll have a big basket of chocolate chip cookies that then are half dipped, like a half moon in chocolate. And they're incredible. But right beside them, is going to be this big display of pies, every kind of pie you can imagine, covered in meringue, whipped cream up to the top. And, uh, you know, you might you might get diabetes, but it'll be worth it. There were worse ways to get <laughs> diabetes. Well, I, you know, I, I may get thrown out of Birmingham for this, but I do not like the Half Moon Cookies at Full Moon Barbecue. Yeah, you should not come to Birmingham. I'm officially <laughs> uninviting you. I'm out now. That's all right. Yeah. See you in Orlando. Okay. All right. So we've covered the barbecue in Birmingham. What other places are we talking about? I mean, you'll have people talk about the Irondale Cafe. They'll talk about the Bright Star, kind of the the older crowd type places, uh, maybe some of the more traditional places in the city. But uh, there's also the Highlands uh, Barn Grill and Hot and Hot Fish Club. Uh, a couple others as well. So, I mean, there is everything from like the old school dining at the Bright Star and the Irondale Cafe to the really new and up and coming stuff. That's right. Listen, Birmingham is a jewel of a Southern city. People don't realize that there is an absolute culinary renaissance happening in Birmingham. I mean, it's been written about in Condé Nast and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Like you said, there's some great restaurants like Highlands Bar and Grill, but the reality is they won the best restaurant in the nation last year. They are booked months and months in advance, but there are still plenty of great places to eat dinner. A lot of local spots that are well-known like John City Diner, Bottega. There's a great place that you can go and have uh, chocolate dipped beignets for dessert, Galley and Garden, which is a downtown restaurant that my wife and I really liked. If you're looking for seafood, there's a great restaurant called Ocean. There are some other good, more high-end type restaurants like Roots and Revelry or Texas de Brazil. It's more your Brazilian steakhouse downtown. I mean, there, there's a wealth of great restaurants in the downtown area. Let me just recommend two. I'll throw in three that are some of mine and my wife's favorites. Now, that whole list I just said is great, but these three... One is a, a chain, but it's just such a good chain, I can't not mention it. And that's Perry's Steakhouse and Grill on Highway 280. You're going to have to have a car 
if you're downtown, you're Ubering. This is going to be an expensive Uber. But go out on Highway 280 outside the city, and you can have the best meal of the year at Perry's Steakhouse. It is incredible. I had the best pork chop I've ever had in my life there. My wife would tell you, you need to go to Five. And Five is a place where they only have about five things on the menu on any given night, and everything is great. Just American style food, somewhere between high end and you know medium price. Highly recommend it. I would recommend Cafe Dupont. Cafe Dupont uh, is a guy, Chris Dupont. He started this restaurant in Springville, Alabama, which is a little town uh, outside of Birmingham. He ended up moving it downtown because it was so incredible. It needed to be in a more central location. And you have every kind of high-end food you could want at Cafe DuPont. But I'm telling you, the fried chicken is what they're famous for. It is not down-home style fried chicken. It's not meat and three restaurant type fried chicken. I don't even know how to explain it to you. But I'm telling you, if you go and get the Southern Fried Chicken at Cafe DuPont and a side of okra, it will blow you away. So tons of restaurants. I highly recommend get the open table app. You can recommend or you can reserve most places through the open table app in Birmingham. Tons of options. I mean, even just coming to mind right now, um, places like Roots and Revelry and Feast and Forest, they all have these cool double names. Um, but there are plenty, plenty of places. There is no going to be no problem whatsoever for Baptists to have a great meal while they're in Birmingham. All right. And, and then on the cheap, just for, you know, just for the, those that maybe, you know, maybe they're coming to Birmingham on a budget, which I totally understand, totally get. I, I need your thoughts on, on three places. Well, two and then one item at the third, but okay. you've got, um, Mama Goldberg's deli. Which That's I was right. a fan of, War Eagle. All right, yeah, it, they have one in, I guess, in Auburn. Um, That's right, it started in Auburn. Oh, okay. Well, there's one out on 280. I know there's a couple more down. I, there may be one downtown. I think there was one downtown at one point. And then Milo's, famous for their sweet tea. I, I think the tea's overrated, by the way, but the hamburgers are really good. And I hate their fries, but the the burgers <laughs> are pretty solid. You're so, so wrong. <laughs> I, I, I've already, I've already like thrown shade in, in Birmingham already. So yeah, know. I'm like, we're about to have a fight. <laughs> so I guess you're a fan of the, uh, of the, the fries and the, the sweet tea. Yeah, yeah. So what's the third one? What's the, right, third the third one, one is, is, is a not really a Birmingham place, but it's I've only seen it in Alabama. It's Jack's, but oh, yeah, they do really sure. great milkshakes. My wife's favorite milkshakes is the Jack's like creamsicle, like the orange sherbet and vanilla ice cream swirl. She absolutely loves that milkshake. That is her favorite milkshake. When we cross into Alabama, anytime we're going to her sister's in Birmingham, when we cross the state line from Tennessee to Alabama, at like the second exit up there in Athens, there's a Jack's right there on the interstate. We yeah. pop in there and grab one of those. That is her thing. Yeah. Well, okay. I'll just hit them all in order. I mean, first of all, Mama Goldberg's, uh, or we just call it Mama G's. Mama G's is great. And it's simple. It's cheap sandwiches. You go in, you order off of a big chalkboard menu, and they steam their sandwiches. So they make the sandwich, and they put it down in a steamer, and it comes out just piping hot, a little moist. Uh, but it's really good. They're known for their nachos, which are just Doritos that have shredded cheese on them that are steamed. 
that does not sound good to most people when you hear that. Honestly, I don't really like them at all, but nearly everyone I know loves them. So have to recommend Mama G's. Milo's is kind of the gold standard of local restaurants in Birmingham. And I'm really, I'm really cautious to recommend it too much or I'll get people's hopes up and then they'll say, you know, you recommended this place. It was a huge letdown. It is really, really good. <laughs> and I, I think everybody should have Milo's while they're in Birmingham. I mean, it's not, it's not like a local food that everyone thinks is good. Actually, it's a huge disappointment. Like, what a burger. Amen. Milo's is not just famous for sweet tea. The supermarket is famous for Milo's sweet tea. Milo's is famous for their sauce. You can't buy Milo's sauce in a store. You can't get Milo's sauce anywhere. You can only get it in the restaurant. And it is worth going to get a burger that is literally just a normal burger that they then put the bun on and grill it with the bun on. But it is just covered and filled with Milo's sauce. It's incredible. They have great seasoned fries. Jonathan doesn't like them. But listen, anybody would like these fries if they dip them in I, Milo's I sauce. I tried. I don't like it. I don't like the I fries, mean, period. I like the sauce. I love the burgers. And you always get like a half another burger in there. You order like a regular hamburger and it's like two or three pieces of meat in there. But well, the, I, the, I don't know what to tell you, Jonathan. The, the fries are the, you know, the, the way is wide that leads to destruction. <laughs> yeah, um, and those fries are right there with the destruction. <laughs> so Well, I, I definitely recommend Milo's. Most of the time, now that I live a few hours away in a different part of Alabama, when we come to town, we get Milo's. Yeah, well, and I forgot um, one, Hamburger Heaven. Yeah, Hamburger Heaven is, is good. It's just a normal, just a normal just kind of, of normal hamburger place. Burger, but it but. is good. Um, Jack's though, Jack's is a great cheap option. Uh, Jack's is kind of your old school came up in the 1950s in popularity burger, but it's just a good quality burger or good quality chicken fingers. And like Jonathan said, the milkshakes are great. And let me just add, because you asked about pie. I'm not a huge pie eater. I'm more of a cake guy, but the apple pie at Milo. And the apple pie. Oh, I forgot Jack's about that. The Milo's apple two pie. Of the best apple pies anywhere. They absolutely put McDonald's or any other fast food place to shame. It is worth running through a Jack's or a Milo's just to get an apple pie or, if you're into this, a peach pie. Oh, yes. I've had those and they are good. I can, I can attest to that. I'd forgotten about those. I'm glad you brought that up. All yeah. right. Now, so we covered the food. Quite a bit, so I'm really looking forward. I'm like, yeah, we only got like four days in Alabama. But what about some fun things to do? You mentioned the McQueen Center earlier. I think that is one of the greatest little things for kids out there. It's the McQueen Science Center. They've got all kind of great stuff there. My kids absolutely loved it when we lived there. Highly recommend that. What else do you got in town? Uh, I know we got the the Barons are going to be there. I think on Wednesday night they have a homestand that starts. So what else? Yeah, well, let me just reiterate, the McQueen Science Center is really an awesome place. I mean, they have this massive sort of orbed um, IMAX theater in there. It's, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's like a theater screen that encompasses you on every side. And they always have cool sort of nature adventure shows you can see there. Um, there's just a lot of great things for kids that explain the natural world. There's no agenda. You don't have to worry about anything like that. It's really, really just a great place to take kids. Of course, there's a Birmingham Zoo, uh, one of our personal favorites. Uh, in it's fact, fantastic. The Birmingham Zoo is better than the Nashville Zoo, by the way. 
it's a good zoo. It's a good zoo. And they have a giraffe there named Griffin, which is my personal favorite part. Like you said, though, the, the Birmingham Barons are in town, and the Barons is an incredible, uh, fun thing to do for families. I know we've all been to minor league baseball games, and some of them are really great, and some of them are, you know, not as great. It's almost like a high school game. The Barons Park is one of the absolute nicest baseball parks in the country for a minor league game. It is an incredible amount of fun, great for the whole family, and at the end, they do fireworks, which is a lot of fun. And then let me just add, I, I don't know um, that this is like a uh, fun, exciting thing for people. But I just want to add is something to do. The Birmingham Civil Rights Museum is in town. And uh, what a great thing to take your kids to, to your family, take your family to. It is so educational. They are so kind and so helpful. I would recommend anyone go. And if that sort of thing interests you, um, in Montgomery, right down the road, about an hour and a half, if you're, you've got family in town and you're doing a sort of educational trip at all, is the, uh, the National Lynching Memorial, which is really somber, really sobering. Um, but oftentimes, if you're like me and you go to town, you might be looking for something historical, something educational. Those things will open your eyes to the plight of African Americans in this country and the fight for civil rights in the 20th century. Um, and the continued uh, need for awareness and uh, mutual understanding and empathy for one another. And uh, I just could not recommend those two places more highly. Uh, there's really no better place than in Alabama to learn about those things because uh, you can walk the streets where it happened. And, you know, it's one of those things where we realize that um, that it wasn't so long ago and that there's a lot to be learn from it. So highly recommend the Birmingham Civil Rights Museum for families. All right. And then to, um, onto the fuel, coffee. So talk to me about coffee places. I know O'Henry's, Seeds. Um, what else we got? That's right. Well, I mean, first of all, I just have to say coffee is terrible and no one should drink it. But because I don't like coffee, I went to a source for this one. My friend Blake Jenkins, who's the college pastor at Dawson Memorial, he is the coffee expert. And so, of course, he mentioned Seeds Coffee, which is actually a ministry. Seeds Coffee, they run a, a church out of that coffee shop. O'Henry's Coffee is well known for being a great coffee spot. But the three that I would recommend, first, Woodlawn Cycle and Cafe, it's uh, in downtown Birmingham, but in what's called the Woodlawn area. And it's a really neat shop, really good service. They have other things other than coffee. They actually have a menu that you can order food off of if you're there later in the afternoon or evening. Um, and then the two, probably the two best known places would be Octane Coffee Bar. Uh, now, here's a warning. If you go after about five o'clock, it's no longer a coffee shop. It is a bar. They roll up big garage doors and they're not serving coffee at that. I mean, they are serving coffee, but they're serving other beverages as well. Um, but during the day, known for really high end specialty coffee, they do pour overs and French press and those things that look like chemistry sets. Um, and then they were actually bought by another company here in town called Revelator Coffee. Both of these are nationally known, um, popular, high-end coffee spots, and you probably cannot go wrong 
with either one. All right, and then finally, a couple couple more kind of things that maybe we missed earlier on in the, in the food talk. I forgot about Edgar's Bakery, number one. You mentioned cakes and stuff, and Edgar's is one of my favorite bakeries and, and for cakes and whatever, it may be even for breakfast. But any other breakfast spots you got? Yeah, definitely. So Byron Smokehouse is a great, great, great place for breakfast. You know, if you're looking for just kind of like a barbecue joint that has an awesome breakfast, I would recommend Byron's. Um, there's Feast in Forest. There's another Broken Egg. Um, there's a couple places called First Watch and Over Easy. Um, I would recommend every single one of them wholeheartedly uh, in Homewood, which is kind of just right up the road from downtown. Um, there's a place called Holler and Dash, which has great biscuits. Really, all of it um, is really good. And, you know, oddly enough, those fast food places I recommended earlier have some of the best breakfast. In fact, Milo's, just going to return to my Milo's defense, has a chicken and waffles breakfast item that is two miniature waffles with a piece of fried chicken in between, served like a biscuit. And now, Jonathan, I think I can convince you on this. They have a sausage biscuit that is a split grilled piece of Koneka sausage, the best sausage in the whole wide world. I think you should try it. Just give it a shot. I want breakfast sausage, might. not not smoked sausage on a biscuit. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to I've never I didn't know Milo's did breakfast. I honestly have never had Milo's breakfast. I've had Jack's. Jack's has a great breakfast. Uh yeah, as far as fast food breakfast great. go, but I didn't know Milo's had that. Yeah. And let me just add one more thing, Jonathan, because I, I think if you come to Birmingham and I don't tell you about these things, I think I'm going to regret it. Birmingham has some of the best cookies in the whole southern United States. Three places, downtown, insomnia cookies, open all night long. If you go to a late session, you're at a nine marks at nine or you're at some late evening event, swing on past insomnia cookies and get dessert. But then in downtown Homewood, there's a place called Cookie Fix. Cookie Fix sells literally the greatest cookies you will ever put in your mouth. Absolutely incredible gourmet cookies. Every one of them is, is absolutely incredible. And if you like them, you can buy an 18-pack of frozen cookies to take home with you. They're all handmade um, and, and, and hand scooped. There's nothing mass produced there. Absolutely incredible. And then maybe the best cookie in the whole wide world, which is actually at a coffee shop. Paula Dean tried to buy the recipe for this cookie and they turned her down because they wanted to keep it as their signature in Mountain Brook. There's a place called church street coffee and books, and they have the breakup cookie. The breakup cookie is exactly what it's named. If you've been broken up with, if your heart's been crushed, you go get a breakup cookie and it will heal what is broken. It is absolutely incredible. Multiple types of chocolate, sweet, buttery, cookie crust, and then the perfect amount of salt on top. I'm really not even doing it justice, honestly. Um, But hey, you know, I had some of those heartbreaks. I had some of those breakup cookies. I've learned from experience. Could not recommend it more highly. All right. Wow. Uh, that That's quite the recommendation there, I must say. That's what we get every time we come to Birmingham. All right. Well, <laughs> those have to be better than the half moon cookies at uh, Full Moon Barbecue. So 
Um, That's right. I will begrudgingly admit they are better than the most, already great. Most overrated cookie cookies. in the city is the full moon, half moon cookie. Oh, what are so, we going to do with you? I don't know, man. It, put it put it next to the Milo's sweet tea and the Milo's fries, and you've got the most overrated meal in Birmingham. Hey, so, more for the rest of us. Mad, I know Baptists so. know how to eat. Yeah. All right. Well, Griffin, I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, if anybody wants to hit you up with some more personalized recommendations, just hit you up on Twitter at Griffin Gulledge, right? That's right. All right. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. So, all right, Griffin, we appreciate it, man. Thanks. And we'll see you in Birmingham. Thank you. All right. Thank you for that conversation, Jonathan. And now I know I've got to go looking for pie when I get in Birmingham. I'm telling you, Johnny Ray's is amazing. It, the the whipped cream it's like the size of your head the, the the meringue or whipped cream on those oh it's so good so good wow well I will definitely have to check that out all right well we'll we'll have to find some pie in Birmingham that I can't wait so uh, I lived in Birmingham for like seven or eight years and all these places Griffin was mentioning I'm like I've never heard of that place I've never heard of that place so I asked him about it after the fact and he's like yeah they're all new. It's like yeah. Birmingham has taken off. I, I leave Birmingham and it explodes culinary scene. But we've seen the same thing in Nashville, so can't really complain. And there are some places in Nashville I absolutely love too. So yes. uh, it's, it's good stuff. And I, I can't wait to get to Birmingham. That interview alone made me excited for the annual meeting. Nice. So decisions are made by those who show up and also restaurant reservations are made by those who show up. Absolutely. So. Always. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SPC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, we're going to go to 1961 to an interesting story about a, uh, looks like it was a marketing, uh, it looks like it was kind of a, a marketing deal back then to promote the Baptist Men's Conference. And uh, it's it's down several pages in on the on the Baptist Press from May 17th, 1961. But it was a Southern colonel. Colonel Memphis, uh, promoting the Baptist Men's Conference, took a 12-day tour, visited 22 cities between Johnson City and Memphis. So uh, Colonel Memphis, uh, which was really a, a man oh, named so it Paul. Oh, so it was made up. Right. Oh, okay. Paul, Paul so it was, Cates. It was, we had a mascot. That's it. Paul Cates. He was dressed in Colonel's regalia, including a gent including a genuine beard. Does that mean he had a beard? I guess that means he, he had a just beard. grew a beard. Grew yeah, a beard, it sounds like I it. guess. He had he was in a 1916 model car and he was drumming up interest in the Second National Conference of Southern Baptist Men scheduled uh, for September of that year at Ellis Auditorium in Memphis. So he took 22 cities across and they were trying to uh, get to 2250 men. He was the attendance chairman. He had a chauffeur, Paul Phelps, who owned, uh, he was from Lenore City, Tennessee, who owned the car, the, the 1916 car. And uh, it says that they were going to hear personalities such as the former president of the UN General Assembly, uh, Brooks Hayes, the assistant secretary of state and former president of the SBC. Um, but it did say he had his troubles as well as high moments so he's going through all of these cities but no one really knows what he's there for it's a kind of a marketing thing and so he was in knoxville and they were just about to have a liquor referendum 
uh, a legalized liquor referendum in Knoxville. So some thought that it was connected with that. He left his car parked on a downtown sidewalk and he went to dinner and then returned later to have a, to see a button from that in Johnson city. It, the parade, he had a, it said his downtown parade. So I don't know if that just meant him coming through the city. It was at the same time as a, um, as a, as the astronaut that there must've been a, a mission, a NASA mission. So it happened at the same time as the launch. And so they thought that it was a spontaneous celebration of the launch at Cape Canaveral. In Clinton, Tennessee, he stopped for dinner one night and a woman who saw him asked, I guess, his chauffeur if he was, looks like a supporter of Fidel Castro. So very interesting at that time. Amazing. In 1961. Um, then, uh, the, they had some trouble because his local contact forgot the motel room number and went to wake him up for an early breakfast, but, uh, went to the wrong room. So someone got very upset at being woken up at six in the morning. And so apparently there was a bit of a disturbance there. Um, top, the top of the car threatened to blow off once, but they tied it down with bailing wire. And he then went to St. Louis, I guess, as the official greeter for the men's conference, appeared in costume at the SBC in St. Louis that year. And his final appearance would be on opening night of the conference. So they were telling this in May, but letting everyone know if you haven't seen the colonel, you will get a chance to see him in September. So uh, very, very interesting. This was, I guess, reported um, the very, very interesting. And uh, I'm, it seems like there was a lot of chatter. We, as you said, we had a mascot for 12 days in the state of Tennessee, and it all happened this week in SBC history. Wonder if there are any pictures of Colonel oh, Memphis. I, this is fantastic. I, and I'm sorry, but I can't hear the story without just thinking that we had a Colonel Sanders ripoff running around, you know, in the whole white outfit and the bolo yeah, tie or whatever. Yeah, but it can't be that because... Um, because if it, it if it looks like Colonel Sanders, was, was, who yeah, would they have, have no got one, it mixed up with, with yeah, KFC and, and not and the no one, other things? Right, and no one would have asked if he was a supporter of Fidel Castro. Like you don't see Colonel Sanders and think that. So I'm really curious as to what this costume looked like and what it meant that it was a genuine beard. So if we have any people out there, or we should check with Taffy Hall at the Southern Baptist Historical Library and Archives and see if there's anything in the Brotherhood Commission, because they were the ones putting on the men's conference, anything in the files for the Brotherhood Commission in 1961 that shows pictures or uh, maybe some, you know, an itinerary, things like that for Colonel Memphis. Fascinating. Yes. We've done some yes. interesting stuff, Jonathan. We have. And, you know, this is this is something I could get on board with, having an SPC mascot. Oh, now you're going to start the conversation. I could get on board with this. I, I'm uh, I'm going to interview Dr. Ronnie Floyd next week at the executive committee as he he's getting you know boots on the ground so to speak here in Nashville for the first time next week, and uh, maybe maybe I can bring this up and, yes. and float the idea of a of a colonel or that, a mascot, something like that. I, yes. I don't think that's going to go over well, and I, I want to go on record to say I'm I'm not convinced by this. So I'm going to let you go on your own with well, that. But I do think there's a lot that we can learn from this because there was a lot of misunderstanding surrounding the mascot. So you know, there's some kinks to work out here. Obviously, right? 
be yeah, real clarity in marketing and messaging that this is for yeah. a men's conference, things like that. Yes, certainly. Now you've got me wondering what a Southern Baptist mascot would look like, and I don't think we want to go down that trail. Uh, I'm no, we're gonna move on. What is your resource yeah, okay. of the week? My resource of the week is a new podcast from Nam, and I, I might need it right now. The Send Relief Podcast because I need some relief from the conversation. The Send Relief Podcast launched recently. It's called Stories of Hope. We'll put the, uh, the link to the podcast information and the subscribe button and iTunes and everything here. Uh, but it looks like about every two weeks or so they add a new episode. So new episodes should be coming soon. And uh, the Stories of Hope podcast is the Send Relief podcast from the North American Mission Board. Amy, your resource of the week is? All right. So mine is a new book by the SBC president, Above All, by J.D. Greer. All right. Do you have your copy yet of this? I have I do mine. Not. I got You're, the above all resource. I have that. Right? I don't have this. The title is Above All, The Gospel is the Source of the Church's Renewal. So if you put this with his first book, then you have Gospel Above All. Yes. So I just got my copy of it and haven't gotten a chance to, to dive in yet. Just got it yesterday. So I'm very excited to read this. But this really uh, kind of just goes right into the theme for the SBC annual meeting. And uh, so I'm sure the book will be available all over the place at the SBC annual meeting. But if you can get it beforehand, uh, that's a great way to kind of prepare your heart for when we come together in a few weeks. Uh, but I definitely think that everybody needs to check that out. All right. Well, that's, that's very cool. So we've got our big preview episode coming soon here on the podcast. We're going to try to record that next week and drop that around Memorial Day weekend. It may be a separate episode depending on uh, the news from next week, or it may be just included in next week's episode. So be sure to check out that uh, whenever we drop that. And, and again, thanks Griffin Gulledge for being with us today to talk about all the food fun and, and different things going on in Birmingham. I cannot wait to get to Birmingham. Uh, looking forward to some of that barbecue at Saw's and some pies from Johnny Ray's and all the other great things that we talked about. So be sure to follow us on Twitter. Again, congratulations. I think our last round of graduations happened this week. So congratulations to all the graduates at the Southern Baptist Seminaries. And now we have a, a short little break, I guess, before those summer classes begin, Amy. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, we'll breathe for a little bit and then back at it again. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us. Be sure to follow us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We'll keep you updated on any news that breaks between now and next Friday. But until then, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>